0: Welcome to Trapping Across America, where fur brothers meet every week, But we're still allowed to be men, and we're proud to be from the land of the fur and the home of the brave. Clint Locklear for Trapping Across America. This week we're going to be talking with Carol Black from Blackies Blend from Ohio. I did not really think I was going to get him to be able to do the interview just because he's pretty old-school when it comes to stuff like this and he, he thinks that the newer guys have more stuff to say and I highly disagree with that. Me and Scott Wells kind of worked on him, kind of shamed him a little bit, kind of tried to get him in a corner. Well finally I got him to do the interview And you're gonna truly enjoy this if you don't know who Blackie is back in the fur boom he used to do uh, a lot of instruction a lot of stuff with Ray Milligan and things they'd drive around in Helfridge and they do these classes but he was known for his river trapping and let me tell you when you hear this interview and you hear the the depth and the length of perfection that Blackie went at when he went on his river line, it is inspiring in one way. If you didn't know any better and you didn't know that Blackie was going trapping, you would think that they, they were putting his canoe and him trapping behind enemy line somewhere in Afghanistan. He looked at every single detail. His motivational way of looking at it when he gets to talking is 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 I don't know how else to say it but it's just inspirational because he refused to be tired and he refused to get cold and no matter what he was going to catch those coon and that mentality is not always there with with uh, the world we live at today but to me it was just such a good thing to hear that coming and I greatly appreciate Blackie taking the time to do the interview with us and I know you're gonna thoroughly enjoy it because I know I did. We've got a new sponsor this week it's Fur Harvesters Trading Post Where F&T's, how a lot of people know them, and they're out of Alpena and they have everything you need for your trapping, hunting with hounds and predator calling. If you've never looked at their website before, you'll also find besides your, your trapping and snaring supplies, they also have footwear and clothing, tan fur and home decor, general outdoor supplies. They're running some specials this week. It's something a lot of tra- trappers are going to need. They're running a, a special on red powder trap dye. They've also got a special on dig Number no. 2 Coil Springs and H type Conibear or body grip style traps. So check out their website, which is FNTPost.com www.fntpost.com Or you can call them at 989-727-8727. Our other sponsor this week is Okie Cable and Trap Supply. Now Jeb's also running a special right now and it's on the Z-traps. A lot of the the dog proof traps are getting hard to find because supply is not really meeting the demand this year and and I think he can get his hands on the Z-trap still and he's running a special on those. So if you're looking for a push-pull style Dog-Proof Trap. Give Okie Cable and Trap Supply. You can call him at 918-429-4648 or you can reach him at www.oktrapsupply.com And Jeb, you know, like he always says, he's big enough so he can get you a deal and he's small enough to make sure you get the customer service you deserve. The Predator Control Group product of the week is is our Texas Predator School. I haven't talked about this in a while. We only have a few slots left if you're thinking about going down to Texas with us you you might want to kind of get on the ball a little bit. If you don't know what it is we hold a school and we're only going to have two students at a time this year with two instructors and we're going to go out in Texas on a real predator control gro- job and we're going to have you trapping and snaring coyotes and bobcats and badgers and raccoons and turning loose javelinas and catching hogs, chance at catching a mountain lion, eating some really good Mexican food, staying at some nice places down there on these ranches, all behind locked gates. All you need to do is show up with your equipment, we've got the vehicles for you. Once you get there there's no other cost involved but there's only a few slots left. And, and mostly that's because we actually have some students that are coming back from next year. They enjoyed it so much. So if you're interested in our Texas Predator School, you can email me at clint at wolfernation.com or you can call me at 423-949-5273 and I'll explain what it is and how much it costs and deposits and all that and where it is in Texas so you'll have a complete understanding of what it is. Not only will you learn a lot, you'll catch a lot. Plus, you're going to have a great time. Well, let's go and get started. Let's get in the right frame of mind here. Let's think about a nice, cool, flowing river in Ohio when the leaves are, are changing. The coon is prime and here comes Blackie down the bend. Okay, I'm with, with Carol Black, we're, we're actually sitting down in the parking lot at 7 o'clock in the morning in a van uh, and I finally got him to interview. I don't know if you know this Blackie. The concept of this whole thing I've done, all these shows, the websites and everything, was sparked when, you, when me and you were talking on the phone one time and you were talking about the canoe and the ice and all that type of stuff, and I was like, that would be so amazing if other people could hear some of the conversations that I, that I get to have with people, and, and that's actually why. And I, and I was trying to figure out, because you're so old school and hard headed about the way you do a lot of things. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna get him to even do the interview or a interview, because you just go, ah, I don't need to do that. But well, I finally got you here, and I appreciate you coming. Now, now, if anybody that knows, name's Carol Black. It's Blackie's Bl- Blends Lures, and you're about 22, aren't you, Blackie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Put 50 onto that. <laughs> so, you, you, I'm Have you been trapping? Your your whole life. How did you actually start? I started start when it? I was
1: eleven years old. I was over to my uncle's and um, we was visiting. Back in the day, people did that. They visited, and my parents was over there. It was dad's brother, and he had some fur fishing game magazines laying around. And of course, I was bored. The old people talking, you know. and So I started looking at them magazines, and Uncle Clyde said, well, you know, I'm done with them. You can take them home if you want and read them. And, of course, Bill Nelson was at his prime then. And I never have found anybody that could put it on paper better than Bill. He He was was, an artist with words. Well, yeah. People say, hey, he's 20 years ahead of his time. And I say, he's right up there now with anybody. And that was, what, 50 years ago Mm -hmm. or more. And the man's ads were just—I've seen—I've seen it today. They're still copying stuff out of his ads, and I used his lures. I wouldn't say that they worked the best of any lure I ever had in my area, but they were more of a western lure. But they were put together better. They—they just—I think Sherman Blom said it all in his book about Bill Nelson. They were powerfully fragrant, and I've never smelled anything that smelled quite like them. When I was a kid, the two best lures I'd ever used was Herb Lennon's and Hallbakers. You know, mm-hmm. we're good in that farmland, you know. But uh, Nelson had some unique smells on his muskrat lure. Even though it was thin, it was just unbelievable. I remember I dropped a little bit of that by accident in the water, and dripped off a stick, and that oil slick just spread from bank to bank. Right
0: now. One, one thing about his ads, because... Uh you know, there's a, the book that's come out, and you got to see a lot of them, and I got a lot of the old magazines that I yeah. kind of cruised through. One thing about it, if, if you were going to buy his lures, you had confidence when you were buying those things, that's what you wanted.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've referred to him in articles, and even in an ad I just wrote as the master painter of dreams. And he just, well, he was ahead of his time. He had a way of putting it on paper. I've never seen it since.
0: So you, you've been in the lure making how long, Bucky?
1: I started, it was uh, really 81, commercial. So I've been in it at 30, just just a hair over 30. Uh, and by the way, one thing I wanted to say about Nelson that I forgot there is I've got some personal letters from Bill. I said someday they'll auction them off, not because my name's on them, but because of Bill Nelson, you know, <laughs> personal correspondence with Bill and he had a very distinctive handwriting even though he typed these letters he hand addressed them you know on the outside the envelope and signed them real big print and i could tell his
0: handwriting anywhere well i think in in our technology and uh, i know you don't do very much of it but you 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 know what's out there and but we you know it's so easy now to shoot an email get an email do a text Skype, whatever you're going to do, and it's instant, instant, instant. But those letters, because I've got some from Craig, it was a lot more personal. It meant a lot more when you oh, got yeah. that than it does an yeah. email. That's a lost art. Nobody writes letters anymore.
1: You know, I answer a lot of people, but it's email now because my wife knows how to run the computer. I don't I have my way to be in the ditch out in front of the house, but you got to have a computer or UPS won't cooperate with you so i got one but i don't have a cell phone i guess you could say well that ain't old school blackie that's just ignorance but hey you know i just don't have a use for a cell phone i think they're handy (laughs) and i i have nothing against them it's the overuse and abuse of them that bother me Mm -hmm. and people driving down the road You got that thing stuck in a bracket up on the dash talking that's fine it's just like somebody's riding with you but when you got one in your hand and yeah right i'm showing my bluetooth (laughs) right right something like that that's fine i got nothing against them it's just it's just overkill i go in a restaurant i've seen people order for their kids because the kids on the cell phone won't look at the menu you know what i mean that's extreme
0: but yeah, I'm old school. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that. When, when if, if someone like I said, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of people. I was telling you before we interviewed, because the way the internet is, with well, the way we've got all this interlinked with YouTube, there's a lot of guys that may or may not know who you are because they don't come to conventions, they've never bought a trapping book, they just search it out. So your, your kind of claim to fame was trapping back in the fur boom when you wrote your books and you know when your right, your lure started. Right. So kinda what did you do back then? You mean for notoriety? Well, you, you can say that, but I mean you you're, you're trapping style. What 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 did you
1: You mean what animals have trapped? Well I've yeah. been out I've trapped California, I've trapped Wyoming, Arizona, New York, uh, Indiana. I've even trapped uh, Pennsylvania. And uh back then it just seemed like uh, the word spread people knew and then I, I run a lot more conventions than I do now I'd try to hit 10 major conventions a year major by like uh, Minnesota you know a state meet you know mm-hmm. New York State Minnesota you know hit the, hit the big ones and uh, I've tapered way back now it's not fun to just jump in my truck and drive 6-700 mile one way anymore it used to be you know, but I, that got old real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, I've stood behind enough tables, I've sweated enough, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not a kid anymore. <laughs> you know, give me a break.
0: <laughs> we, you know, you know, you did a lot of, of water trapping. We're going to get in the canoe because you're you're fascinated about that. But you know, back in the day, and I've I've actually heard this story four or five times at this convention. You know, back in so and so, I went to a, a motel and met Blackie and Ray Milligan. Yeah, when I used to do the tour yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: Ray called me and asked me if I'd uh, go with him on that tour and do the water end of it. And he was looking basically for somebody wasn't in the lure business. And I told him I just went in. He wasn't aware of that, and he said that's okay. Come along anyway. And, the reason, the reason I was using a canoe and, and trapping coon is the fox population had went down years ago. It's down in the country now, but it went down years ago there. And I didn't have too much, and the river was there, and nobody messed around with the river when it was cold. And I'd trap uh, out on land until it got cold and the ground started freezing and I started fighting it and there wasn't much fur at that time left so I jumped on the canoe and down the river I'd go and by then the coon were coming down off the ridges you know I've always said that that's that's perfect when you got a river running through bottomland and you got them ridges on one side or maybe both sides for a while and them coon will stay up on them ridges and all you'll get if you start early is them little ones. And mm-hmm. When you get down there later, they'll come down when it starts freezing and freezing hard, they come down to the the mother, I call it. Because that river is a
0: the, barrier. The mother
1: yeah it's the giver of all food it's the it's the source that's where they come to get their food all the acorns and all the stuff up on the ridges are bare now everything's been feeding up there turkeys and everything and down they come and there's that river land there it ain't froze yet because it's big water and you got that steam coming off of it and there's food there and it's a barrier you know they'll swim that river I've caught coon right out in the river at daylight, swaddled them with a paddle, you know, because they're they're crossing. It it isn't full light yet. And that's what I, I realized what they're doing. They come down off them ridges, that's where the den trees and everything are. They'll cross them rivers and get in them bottom fields and work them old cornfields and stuff and then come back across. And if a dog, if they're hunting, which is big time in Ohio, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that river's a barrier, because that's safety for him. He'll get out in that river and drown the coon dog. And, and that river is wide enough, I trap. I don't care how good of armor you got on you. There's a lot of places you couldn't throw a rock across. it. You know, it's got a little size to it. And that coon, he gets in that water. He's safe.
0: Across he goes and up that bank, and he's gone. Well, as many years as I've known you, when you said "mother," I have to say that's the closest I've ever seen you stepping towards a hippie term that I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> well, I was just referring that it's the giver of of life for this particular animal. I know what you're saying
0: now, but it just took me by surprise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't mean it in a in a dirty sense, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hippies don't have to necessarily well. I guess they were, but that's not, that's not what I meant. It's, uh, so when, when, you, when you started floating that, you would start out on land and then you'd wait till it gets cold. And I think that was a good point you brought up, because I know when everybody starts coon trapping, you're out in the summer, you see the tracks, you, you got open a day, a lot of younger trappers and new trappers run to that water and they catch these little peeps and then they get mad because they can't sell them for nothing
1: what you get when you start early on coon is you get your small coon and your blue coon and they're worthless and i was out there it was perfect for me trapping the land because we didn't have a lot of land predators and by the time i got a couple weeks of that under my belt i was trapping four counties uh four counties and i had uh, 65 farms on them four counties that i had permission on i'd get them fox then down to where you're just chasing a few we didn't have the coyotes in there then okay and that's it i'd bring them traps in out of the dirt and into the water they'd go you know and down the river and by then your coon was getting paler in other words she's getting a white coon you're getting a, a prime coon mm-hmm. you know
0: when did the season start back then was it earlier than now
1: yeah in fact is back in the day there wasn't a fox season You could start anytime you wanted and guys were jumping the gun and and catching some fox that didn't have enough hair on them to make a toothbrush you know and (laughs) at least i had enough smarts not to do that and i had permission it was private ground so i didn't have too much trouble that way you know and believe it or not back in the day when i was first started land trapping there wasn't a lot of people around that knew how to make a dirt hole, and if they did, they couldn't make it right. And then when the big fox uh, in the 70s, when the fox went so high, it got to where good luck on a dirt hole. I don't care who you are and how you make it. They they didn't. It, it was almost like they've got a language. It's just like, I'll tell you what, you know how you've come up to your set that you had set there in the winter in the springtime and something's dug it out or something's worked it I still say and this is theory but there's a lot of theory in this business that old mother coyote she comes out there with that string of pups she comes up to, she knows you you come into that area all the time trapping mm-hmm. I'm talking agriculture farmland where guys trapping the same farms every year she knows your smell. She comes up out of that dirt hole that she don't like and never did like, and she raises the hackles and she whether she could growls or whatever she can communicate to them pups and them pups are educated right there at least in that sense. I won't take it any farther than that, but I think it goes that far mm-hmm. I there's think some, it's
0: there's some USDA studies that actually back that up. They think they can they some of the usda studies back up what your your theory is and they and some of them go as far as think if the couchs repeatedly see something they can imprint almost genetically or however that's happening where the next generation of couchs. i believe it i believe it may or may not want to do something based on that's right other experience but a flat
1: set I, I went to a flat set in 74 on my line to the point of exclusivity almost. And, uh, I mean, I'd use a dirt hole for a nose set, but the flat set was the fur getter and set, set 15, 20 feet off, you know, downwind. And it just it just paid off immensely for me, you know. That's when people were talking about it, but they
0: wouldn't do it. There's you a lot know. more that goes on today. Talk about flat sets, but you yeah. really don't do it. Yeah, right.
1: Right. And put a urine set down there. Or bury up, put a clump of grass and don't put any urine on it and let him mark it. Mm-hmm. You know? I used to pick a dropping up when we had droppings, <laughs> when we had a population on the line and take it with me and put on that clump. I wouldn't put any urine on it, because I always told people, you're lying to that predator and you're out there, and and most of them know it. But I said, when they see that little dropping on that clump, that ain't a lie. He knows where that dropping come from, Mm -hmm. and he'll approach that different. That's the reason I was always, this is off the subject, and it's no commercial, uh, but I always was a big believer where there's heavy pressure in giving them a two-way bait is the way they'll approach the set if you've got mouse in that hole or something that he's familiar with in a mouse hole he approaches that It's the theory again a lot different than he would something that's got every perfume smell that France can put out that somebody's blended in a lure, and he circled that set, and he found your little mouse hole set with the mouse in it, he knows he can whip that guy, mm-hmm. because he's done it yesterday. And I'm talking agriculture, you know, this is farmland uh, trapping, and you'll, you'll get a quicker response.
0: Well, before we get to the canoes and vehicles, um, <coughs> excuse me, you, you do something that some other guys may or, may or may not do, but you advertise you do this. And we were talking about this yesterday. You've got some of the, the, the most natural looking fox urine that I've seen in a long time. And you were talking about freezing the urine. No, do you mind covering that? Well,. I got tired of when
1: I started buying urine I bought from a very knowledgeable person he's no longer in the business and he had absolutely the best urine that I've ever smelled in this business he did and Hallbaker wanted it and Carmen and some of the big names So old blackie kinda got squeezed out even though I was one of the first to use it and he'd promised me I'd always get at least a drum of it and I remember talking to him and I said you know Your urine keeps better than about anybody else's, but it's still, fox urine in the end, if you keep it through that heat where it yo -yo is in the summer, it'll break it down. It's up to 90 one day, down to 78 the next day, back up to 90, and it breaks it down. And not that that ruins it, but I like hot news in the field, in other words, fresh news. Mm -hmm. I think he'll approach it quicker, better, and and, uh, everything. And uh, he said, you know, he said, if you want to keep this urine, and and he said you could sell all the urine you ever wanted, he said, freeze it. And I said, well, that keep it. See, this is years and years and years ago. And that was a new concept to me. I said, I'll give it a shot. So I started freezing this urine as soon as I'd get it. And... I don't like it if it's over. I've kept it from one season to the next. If it's really fresh and you put it in the freezer, you got to remove 20% of it to allow for expansion. And don't put it in with food. My God. <laughs> but, yeah, it goes right through that plastic. But, well, you, you guys don't know. You know, I don't want any divorces out of this. But <laughs> I'll tell you, it keeps and it keeps good. And I've kept from one season to the next, and it's not as good as what you get in fresh, but I'll tell you what, it's 75% as good, and you kept it from one year to the next. And I just, a sticker, I like fresh urine,
0: you know. Well, to, to me, it makes sense because when you freeze it, you stop the bacteria from growing. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think that has a lot to do with, with some of the funkiness that comes on over time. Well, it does. It's more than just the heat and sunlight too. Sunlight's a great
1: destroyer. You know, they always said, oh, this guy puts his lures in brown bottles. He don't want you to see what goes into it. And several people have over the years, but if you look, the finest wines and whiskeys and everything
0: is put to protect from the ultraviolet rays, you know. You heard my 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 ego there, because I think Jim Bean is the greatest whiskey, and it's in clear. <laughs> well,
1: I, I wasn't referring to favorites. I was just saying some of the I finest. Know. I know. Know. I'm just giving you a hard time. I think Royal Crown's in a clearer, isn't it? I think it is. And that's
0: one of the more expensive. But they put it in a velvet bag to block it. Oh, yes. <laughs> a velvet bag. <laughs> yeah. So... Kind of what I wanted you to talk about, because you know, I read—I think I read an article one time you wrote somewhere. Like I said, I've got magazines going back forever, and in your book, you talked a lot about the trapping and the, you know, the coonology and, you know, Blackie's kingdom and all that. But the, the the way you set that canoe up, it was like you were setting up something that was redundancy and ready to go to battle to the point where you didn't have to worry about anything.
1: Everything on that canoe was overkill. Strictly. There's nothing like a surprise when you're a fourteen mile from the pickup point and your motor won't run. Or something broke. Or you're you're crippled. You gotta have overkill. There cannot be too much overkill on the river. It's just like these guys and we might get into this in the vehicles, they take a stock vehicle out in the desert and they wonder why. Oh my god I broke down duh <laughs> you know I mean you're talking you're talking uh, when I was in California trapping cats I all day long You're driving over rocks as big as footballs all day long and the only time you hit any pavements go from pull-in to pull-in you mm-hmm. know and I'm driving back into the mountains and but to get back to the canoe yeah, everything I soon found after running the river a couple years that milk crates didn't fit uh, I did buckets didn't fit uh, it just I I set that thing up to where everything was out of the way and everything was built to function and the motor mount was something to behold my dad designed that I went down there took that canoe down and I said Dad, you won't believe the power this motor's got and I had one of them little clamp on things you screw and put on the side of the canoe. Why well, shit, you might as well whistle up a hound's ass. I mean that thing that thing wouldn't hold the torque. Mm-hmm. I had a seventy pound thrust. And uh, let me tell you something, uh that uh that thing will push that canoe. Absolutely it will. And the reason I wanted the motor too, not only was speed so I didn't have to paddle, I could spend my energy trapping, it was the noise level. Ain't no dogs barking. You run down through there with a gas motor and that river was basically shallow in spots. And I had a rock guard. You gotta have a rock guard built on the motor and I had brass welds on it so it wouldn't vibrate loose. I had a friend build that. He's a technician plus. And the main thing when you mount that motor and I had the wires running clear of the front of the canoe. I had uh went to an electrician and said what um, what gauge wire do I need to get him up there and I think he said 9 all. I'm not sure now. Don't hold my feet to the fire, but You can check it out with electrician and find out if you're interested in doing it. And I had a fiberglass block mounted on the side of the canoe where the motor wire is hooked onto with wing nuts. And uh, I'd put my batteries clear in the front in that little compartment that won't hold anything in that 17-foot canoe. And that leveled the canoe out because they weighed fifty-five pound a piece. That leveled the canoe out. Mm-hmm. When I'm sitting back there with my big hind end in the back, and there ain't no coon to put in it yet, see. And that kept the front end down, empty, when I started out. And a big tip on them motors is don't run them wide open. Unless you get in trouble, unless you get in a place that you have to have wide mm-hmm. open to get through, run it at three quarters and you'll get a lot more miles out of it. And if you've got any kind of current at all, that's plenty fast enough. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've gotten the habit of using that to get way, way back into places in my John boat. And with, with a backup battery, I can almost go eight or nine hours pushing a 16-foot-wide John boat. If you get out
1: in the sun, that sun hits them batteries, you'd be surprised what that does for them if it gets up around 50 that day. Another thing about your motor being down, they've got a T-bolt that holds it rigid, rigid holds it down. This must be removed. It has to. you got to take that pin out. Because if you hit a rock going down through there with a 10-mile-an-hour current, and you're going 10-mile-an-hour, you're going to do some damage to something. Mm -hmm. And you might even upset the canoe. You've got to have it so it'll trip back. If you hit something, it'll kick back. Plus, I knew the channel in the river. You know what I'm saying? Now, were you using aluminum or fiberglass? Aluminum. Now, the kick on aluminum is they're noisy, but I... I had padded mine up and I knew how to get in and out of that canoe and make absolutely no noise. I read everything I could read in the military books about the Special Forces team and, and how they uh, insert and how they get out and I applied some military te- technology to this and I practiced in that canoe. I could remove the tools and put them back in and there was no noise I took and bought a cheap car mat and they're easy to find for the back of a pickup truck now Mm -hmm. they don't build them like they used to they're real thin and you know they're cheap when you go to push a box in and they double up on you mine won't do that because I got a heavy one but for what I'm gonna tell you for you don't want a heavy one you want a cheap one and I cut that thing with shears to fit in those compartments so, I could lay my tools in there and you don't have that ungodly noise going up and down the river
0: because of that aluminum canoe. That's a good tip. So, what were you, how were you storing? Oh, I mean, if, because you were having some pretty big coon days. That I mean, thing, weight. I could,
1: I had a 17 foot and the, uh, the, it would haul including passengers 750 as a mission craft and I don't mind telling you that I had to split my line up in two sections after the DP trap come out because it increased the kits that much and on the lower section and the upper section was both yield yielding about the same if it wasn't flooded and it was a good night I could be done by one o'clock in the afternoon which is back in the day you go to dark you know what mm-hmm. I mean but I was running the whole thing about 30 mile this way I split it up in two parts and and I was running it every other day I had slide wires I had drowners there wasn't nothing suffering okay and I was taking 30 coon sometimes 32 33 and that canoe was sitting low and That's it was what I'm
0: picturing, yes.
1: yeah and it was very slow to respond in other words, a two-acre field to turn it around, <laughs> that's a gross exaggeration, but you know it what was I like mean. It like a barge. Right, and people say, well, what about a 12- or 15-footer blackie? They're more nimble, and yes, they are, and if you got a five-mile run, and that's all you're ever going to do, but I called it my Freightliner, and that's exactly what it was, and one, it had a deep-water keel, so it had a lot of stability, and I used to, where I was back in and nobody could see me, I used to stand a lot because the handle was up on the uh, motor. I had a qualified uh, Minna uh dealer cut the motor shaft down. I called Minna Koda and asked him if that was possible and still keep the warranty, and they said absolutely, and he cut the shaft down to where I could, I didn't have to reach way up, you know, mm. and I could turn that thing, and... I had also called Minnesota and said, you know, I had a guy tell me I couldn't run them wires to the front. He said, they told me, the foreman of the shop up there that answered the phone told me, he said, you know something? He said, if you've got the proper gauge wire, you could run them wires to Cleveland. (laughs) And I never forgot that because I never had a bit of trouble. Never. Never. Not an ounce of trouble. And I highly recommend Minakota as a brand to run. Uh, I tried Shakespeare and Johnson and burn them up as fast as I could put them on there. Mm -hmm. They'd get hot. I had gauntlets on. Trust me. When it's twenty some degrees on that river, you wear gauntlets and you wear liners inside of them, and your fingers still get cold. And I got a frostbit finger to prove it on this hand for the motor, the first one here. And you could feel the heat through a Shakespeare on that thing. My manikota run cool. They must have heavier wiring or something, but it, it worked. That's all I know. So how did? Were you skinning on the
0: line or no? No
1: absolutely not that's when i got into the fact i didn't have a skinner not everybody seems to be lucky enough to find one. Of them and i got into the fact that uh, you're trapping coon all day and i just take it over to the buyer he had a tumbler he told me he said you don't need to worry he said i'm gonna pay you put up price because he said your coon aren't shot up he had a market for the carcasses they were nice and fresh and I had a deal worked out, and i just take him over, throw him on the floor, and he kept a running tally, and that was the way that was handled. You know, you're far too tired when you come in. And you when you're out there, and it's 22 degrees, and the snow's blowing horizontal, you know, and you're in there, you don't want to stop and skin a cold, wet coon that's been on a slide wire. Trust
0: me. How were you... Uh, then- Your equipment, to get that equipment out to run 30 miles, that's a lot of equipment.
1: Well, at that time, I was running four batteries. I was hauling in that 17-foot canoe. I had two would take me down just a little farther than halfway, and I'd switch batteries. Now, listen, when you have trapped all day in that river, and you come to that steep bank to climb out and pull your canoe out, you'd have had a real... Uh, kick if you had a video of Blackie and chest waiters slipping and sliding with a 55-pound battery in each hand trying to get up out of that river. And, <laughs> And by the time you got wrestled two of them to the top and you thought you just got done wrestling a grizzly bear, you got to go down and get two more. And did I tell you, there's some coon down there to bring up. Yeah. And of course, you got the paddles and I'd throw them up. But dragging that canoe up was fun, too. You know, but I was a big, strong boy and I was in shape. I was in shape. I, I hungered for that. I used to laugh at fatigue, I would spit on fatigue, pooey on fatigue, <laughs> I would psych myself to where the adrenaline was flowing, and I wouldn't give up, you know, i say, I can't quit, they can't make me quit, I don't care how cold it gets, and the biggest thing on the river we haven't talked about yet, is you gotta keep dry, and you gotta keep the wind off of you. And I learned a trick. It took me two or three years before I learned this trick. When you get out that river, and she dropped me in before daylight. I never allow anybody to see me go in on that river. We got a lot of population. And I had a couple or three real special places I could get in, shut the lights off. I'd unload real quick, and then she'd pull away. She'd get that truck out of there, okay? I would never put my coat on and my chest sweaters aren't on either i'm not going to sweat because if you break a sweat loading that canoe and it's below 30 degrees when it gets about eight o'clock in the morning on the river is the coldest time oh it'll drop 10 degrees i swear 10 degrees it is a bear and you don't want to get wet Mm -hmm. inside because then you get chilled and you shiver and you're cold Till it warms up that day, or maybe you never do get warm. Okay, and you're working out of a canoe. This is why you can't buy imported waiters. You gotta have good chest waiters. And at that time, Lacrosse had the waiters. I had to go to Cabela's to get a decent waiter after Lacrosse went overseas, because you're actually working all day out of that canoe. They say, "Well, if you ain't got nothing, you float on." Wrong. We've got so many trees hanging out over that river and them big ridges and them trees and little tributaries bringing them leaves in. Those slide wires are bowed with leaves. So you you can tell when a guy's done it or he's bullshitting, can't you? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what you do is you pull (laughs) that canoe up and my anchor was one of those cheap, what they call a coyote grapple, but really in reality you'd use it on a fox. You know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. And I had a rope on it and I had it laying on top of the of the back of the canoe behind me, hooked in. I had a way of hooking it up, okay? And I had a piece of rubber laying up there so you could lay it up there, and it wouldn't be any noise either. And I'd pull up to the bank, and I'd hook it in, okay? And climb slide out of that canoe real easy. So you're coming out almost at every set. Mm-hmm. You're coming out until you get rid of them leaves, to everything, which takes... I don't want to put a day figure on it, but it just seems like the first part of the fall you're fighting that continually, you know. Absolutely. Even though I come down there after it got cold, you got leaf problems in that river. And I always use rocks. I'd set them up ahead of time, and I'd use rocks from year to year, the same rocks. I'd fish them out and hide them on the banks. You say, why don't you have a stake out there? You can't drive a stake in that gravel we had and you want a movable anchor anyway because of the water fluctuation level because of
0: your uh water depth you got to have a movable anchor and i'm assuming you're saying this from experience what's that that you don't want to have a a solid stake on the other end You this is is coming from experience i can tell oh yeah
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you pull enough of them stakes up and try to roll the, up the slide wire and re-drive them and the water splicing up in your face and all kind of stuff and you, you learn real quick. And another thing about a rock is after you've slid that coon up, break a trap of them, throw them on the bank, set that trap, okay, lay it on the bank take and back out that slide wire with that rock between your heels and angle it slightly downstream ever so slightly don't angle it a lot because if your coon ever does get hind foot caught he'll get up and get a hold of the bank and he'll get a hold of roots and he'll pull your slide wire in those coons can take a 20-pound rock and take it anywhere they want you go almost go beaver size on them rocks people say my god Blackie how big a rock are you using? Some of them students I give instructions and I said, it don't move. I don't care how high the water gets. I don't care how big the coon is. I don't care what happens. If you have a tornado, that rock don't move. And I use that same rock. It's knots from year to year. There's portions on the line where there aren't any rocks, but there's portions where they are. When I get down there preseason, I load that canoe with rocks. It's sitting down on the water. I have put them where i need them so i don't have the work now Mm -hmm. see this is the same line i'm going to run year after year and people say all slide wires are slow no they're not once you got them set up they're the fastest thing you can have okay because i don't want the bank tore up i don't want anybody seeing that coon I've had actual catches where I've floated up and I'd say, it's okay, it's okay, and I see the traps going. Because I got these holes dug up out of the water because of fluctuation. In Ohio, we have no uh, natural lakes, so that means we got locks. We got dams, and there's a mean little man up on that dam. It hadn't (laughs) rained in 10 days, and he decides he's going to raise that river level 18 inches. Blackie's got his holes up, and I got my traps dug in just like a fox set. Now a lot of times I'll pick up a big armload of leaves, but they're old leaves. Ancient leaves. The ones that are on the bottom that are all flattened out, okay, and I'll take and put them in the canoe, and when that trap's dug in I'll I'll fit them leaves around at the at the mouth of that hole. I never set up in the hole. Never, never, never do I set up in the hole. A mink likes to poke his head in the hole. That don't mean he's going in. <laughs> And I like that trap centered in front of the hole because your coon approaches from the side, just like a dirt hole, predator does. If it's centered, it's offset. Besides, when people offset stuff, I say, oh, you know if he's right-handed or Mm left-handed? How did you know that? I want you to tell me that because I've always wondered that. I know, I'm being sarcastic, but it always, (laughs) always. I told Johnny Thorpe once, I (coughs) said, I sat tight and I I center and he said, so do I. That's what he showed me when I went up there. Yeah, right. I always did. I like to fly in the face of adversity.
0: (laughs) So you were telling me a story, I guess this was two years ago, the last time you went down the river. I laughed so hard, listen to your misery, because you were saying how you, you know, the ice flows, the, the, you had open water where you put in, yeah. and it didn't, it didn't last that way very long.
1: No, I got down the river several miles and all of a sudden I saw something white, and I stood up in the canoe so I could get a better look, you know, and I says, holy mackerel, and that thing was froze clear across for as far as you could see, and I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> out come the canoe, out come everything, and down the road I went till I found a house with a phone. Now there, a cell phone would work yeah. <laughs> if I could get a signal. See, I've noticed that. I'd be out. I used to ride an ATV for enjoyment, and we'd go into these almost wilderness places, and you'd see some guy playing with his cell phone. He can't get a signal.
0: So, Not doing him any good. They're, yeah, they're so unreliable. Well, we, when we go to places in Texas, a lot of times, I've literally got to drive 50 minutes just mm-hmm. to get a bad signal to make a yeah. phone call, check messages, and stuff like that, and then right. drive all the way back.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, that's an inconvenience. Yeah, there ain't a payphone out there on a cactus, is there? No, no.
0: <laughs> so, How were you storing your stuff in there? You said you didn't use milk crates. Well, you just were throwing them in there. I, I
1: carried one milk crate that was painted. Everything's camouflaged inside and out on that canoe. Everything. Uh, it's so important to... Well, I've got several bridges that I go under. I'll answer your question but I got several bridges and people have a habit there in Ohio I don't know what it is about them Buckeyes they're just fascinated even though they drive across that river every day they pull up on the center of that bridge and they look right and they look left they look up and down them rivers sometimes they stop and gawk up and down them rivers when you pull up on a bridge the eye seeks the center if there's nothing in the center it goes to the edge so Blackie if he's working a set close to that bridge I've got that canoe anchored and it's fully even the motors camouflaged even the rock guard is I got it up out of the water see all right I wear camouflage the thing you got to remember when you hear that thing pull up on the bridge and he might be you know from here that little shack down there from you you don't face flash him. you don't look at him you stay bent over and you don't move he'll pull on. You finish working your set. If you move, he's going to watch you. If he if you move, he, you've broke the contour. He's going to see you. If you face flash him and look at him, he's going to see that. But that's what I've learned to do and live with. Now, where was I supposed to answer and I didn't... How do you store stuff, yeah. I carried a minimum. I carried a minimum. All I was carrying is Sometimes a small length of wire. I carried my tools, and I carried everything in a little plastic snap-on Rubbermaid box that fit under my seat. I could work on any trap. I could work on the motor. I had the motor tools in there. I could change a prop, extra pins, everything in case I sheared a pin. I carried all that in that little waterproof box under my seat okay my t-tool that i pushed the earth anchors in with you know on the top end of the slide wire is in there my paddle of course and i didn't carry a tiling spade after the first couple runs because i'd cut my steps in the bank or whatever to get in and out or wherever i needed it mm-hmm. sometimes i didn't have to but uh i carried a minimum and Yes, I did carry a pool cue that was weighted in the end and wrapped with camouflage tape for that one out of 150 coon that's sitting there alive when you get there. He hadn't went down the wire yet for some reason. I guess he couldn't follow directions. (laughs) Thump him and,
0: you know. So what were you doing with your traps? You just weren't throwing them up in between you and the batteries. I can't imagine you doing that. You mean when I set them? When you're yeah, when you're when you're leaving the the first day, when you're going to set because you didn't. Well, I use... took them
1: down before season.
0: Oh, so you had them? Okay, that's what I was getting at. Yeah,
1: they were attached to the slide wire. All I had to do is fish them up and break them open and
0: set them. They were on the slide wire. Because I've done a tremendous amount of canoeing, and you you like you're saying you get in the middle of nowhere and you realize. Now maybe this wasn't the best way to, to store this it starts getting all out of whack and and everything's getting clogged together and you're trying to pull a trap out and it's hooking on your battery wires and and after a while you learn you know cuz I can almost hear the what's the the special forces song back on the John Wayne movie you, you know the one I'm talking about John Wayne when he did the Green Beret movie yeah but you know, I can't remember what you're talking about the the song uh, Several wings upon my chest and all that stuff. I can hear that in my head when you're explaining all this camouflage going down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I did. Now with the DPS, you'll like
1: this. I set them at home, and I filled the milk crate with them. They'll stack in there real nice. Okay, and I took them out and put them put them uh, on the on the slide wires. Set. All I had to do is fish them up out. Mm -hmm. You can make some real time when your trap's already on the slide wire. The slide wire's got the proper angle. Everything was done a couple days ahead of time of season. I'd do it farther ahead than that, but I mean, I I don't like my traps out there too long at one time, you know what I mean? And when I had holes, I used to get nervous. I'd plug them with leaves. I'd plug in holes with leaves and every once in a while a coon would come up and dig one out, but uh the DPs were different. All you need was a little path or a little sign or a little sandbar or a little whatever and you you're home free. And I had them painted mud brown. You know and on a mud bar you can put a big, if somebody's floating that river, you can put a big fire block there. You know, I call that them chunks of burned wood them campers had in the summer or something, or, or something, and they can't see that damn thing if we are floating down the river. Mm-hmm. You got that between them and the, the trap. Mm-hmm. There's all kind of things you can do if you're living with people. Right. If you haven't got people, that takes you take that out of the equation, and I'll tell you what, it's a picnic. But that river is hostile you look at that thing in the summer you come up there and people are camping and fishing and playing their boom boxes and drinking beer and you say oh i think i'll trap that in the winter doesn't that look nice you get down there in december and that is the most unforgiving hostile mean cruel brutal it's just people that trap in and they'll say well 30 isn't cold blocky." yeah you're crawling back up in your truck you're getting warm when she dumps you out on that river and says I'll see you at five o'clock when I was running a full line you get down there You're whatever decision you made to wear that day or what you're doing I remember when I used to wear them car coats. it's when Gore-Tex first come out now Gore-Tex does not breathe you gotta be alive to breathe that is a complete misrepresentation that they're better because they're waterproof and they're light but I remember telling somebody down at Coshocton at the Ohio State meet years and years ago and there was a customer stand at my table I don't even know who he was he come off with of the best one I've heard about that I was telling him about my Carhartt coat and how it failed me on the river cuz he'd get wet you know and he said oh you had one of them triple 40 coats and I said triple 40 what are you talking about well, he says it rains, and he says it get wet, and it weighs 40 pounds. <laughs> and he said, you've got 40 gallons of water in it. And then he says the wind goes through it 40 mile an hour. And I said, that's it. I said, that's the one. And <laughs> those Carhartt coats might be okay for a guy on road construction. They ain't worth a nickel on the river. Absolutely. And, I'm, and I'm, they're, they're not made for that and and I can dress far lighter more comfortable with uh Gore-Tex I didn't think I could afford at the time at least my wife didn't <laughs> <laughs> but since I can and and it's a lot better a lot better but I just thought I'd throw that in. The decision you make that day is what you're gonna live with all day on that river. And by two o'clock in the afternoon, and I have seen this, you hoped and prayed you didn't have a coon in the next set because I don't want to get out of the canoe. I don't. I'm so cold. I'm miserable because you made the wrong
0: decision. Well, you know, river trapping to me, and it's never fails. And it's like you know when you know like you, they say, Mother Nature. And they and the Indians call coyotes tricksters. You know I can when you're telling that stuff. <clears throat> I cannot remember starting out on a canoe line trip or a boat trip. The the skies are always blue. The lake or the river or the big creeks are always flat. The currents go in the right direction. The birds are singing. The squirrels are running through the trees. Everything is right. Your coffee stays hot all day. And you go and you start setting traps, and it just and it like sucks you in. So you you get more and more stuff out. And you probably should have. And about three days into that, the wind's blowing 40 miles an hour. You're white capping. You know, the the in a canoe, it's pushing you. And then in the middle of the day, when it gets the coldest on this trip, it's going to rain for 45 minutes in three inches. And I don't care what kind of rain gear you're getting wet. And then the rain stops and the temperature
1: drops 10 degrees and the white stuff starts coming down. And you're. <laughs> well, not miserable. so much
0: for me, but. Yeah. And it just stays wet for me, but that's always the way the river line starts. Oh, it's a, it's a bear.
1: It's a bear. It's nothing like people think it is. It's a bear.
0: Yeah. Well, let's. Um, but before we finish up, uh, one of the other things, we don't have to get into too much detail, but it's, it's something to. For guys to really think about, uh, like I was telling you, I just got a Jeep. You know, I, I I paid for a Jeep. Me and my wife didn't even take it out to dinner yet. I took it straight down to Tom's 4x4 in Chattanooga and dropped as much as I probably would on a good used Jeep because I wanted new suspension. I changed the gearing. You know, I put the the bumper and the winch on there. Uh, I I got a a specialized thing on the the overdrive and stuff like that. And you don't see anything but the bumper and winch. But, you know, I could have bought probably a couple of good used Jeeps for what that cost. And I know when I go out in the middle of absolutely nowhere in Texas or somewhere like that, unless something drastically goes wrong, I'm coming back.
1: Absolutely. That's good money spent. I always said you could spend a couple grand underneath your pickup truck and it don't show and it'll it'll help you for the life of that truck it depends on how long you're going to keep that vehicle but don't go off the road with a stock vehicle i mean you're going to get stuck you're going to get in trouble i can't believe the guys that won't even spring for pos traction. you know what i mean <laughs> and another thing when i was going out west i never went out that i didn't have a sealant in my tires like a green slime type thing. Absolutely, and make sure when you get this that it'll withstand freezing temperatures. Some of that stuff, at least back in the day, wouldn't withstand freezing temperatures. You know, back in the early when they first brought it out. But everything out in Arizona, I said, had stickers on it, and that's true. And I've had thorns sticking out of them tires. They never leaked a pound,
0: you know. Well, we you know one thing. To me, it's all you mentioned this yesterday too. I don't think a trapper should own a vehicle he's going to trap out of without ten ply tires. Oh, absolutely! Because you're going to be walking somewhere where
1: you don't need to be. Yeah, four plies only apply to one thing: cars. A truck should never, ever, ever have. If you got a small truck and you're never going to trap out of it, and you're just going to. run it around to work and say, I would want six plies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just for safety. Oh, tens is, you know, I bought that Toyota 17-inch tires. I found out no major tire company makes a truck tire for it. So how did I get 10 plies on it and not mess it up? I went to the tire shop and they said, we can fix that easy. They went one size narrower, kept the height exactly the same, and I could buy any ply I wanted because they do it for the oil field guys see okay and they know what they're doing and it didn't throw my computer off my speedometer off nothing i got 10 ply tires
0: well let's finish up if, if you if you don't mind will you um the story about bud boda when he went out there because it's such a lesson well the guy's
1: an eastern trapper and you know he don't have his nissan set up nothing against nissan it's any of them his desert ate the front end out of his vehicle and he had to get it fixed out there and we all know on the road they charge you half again more than what they would at home and you got the inconvenience the downtime. you got your traps out and i would never venture out there the first time i ever went out i had double shocks all the way around the heavy springs and uh i'm set up it's it's like i told you yesterday it's uh not shine and show it's grunt and go now i know it's not The guy wants sexy big tires and he don't change his gear ratio and those are kids mm-hmm. they got jacked up to where you could comb your hair in the rocker panels you know <laughs> what i mean and you got that ain't a trapping truck a trapping truck when they give you when they, <laughs> <laughs> that must have tickled me. <laughs> they, when they get when they give you a, a truck at the dealer they give you an owner's manual and I don't buy into this hundred thousand dollar or hundred thousand mile maintenance I don't buy it at ninety-five thousand, that's supposed to get as good a mileage off them spark plugs as what it did at fifteen. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. My Toyota says replace them every thirty. They don't have a long-life plug, and I replace them every thirty. I'm happy. They cost three dollars and eighty-five cents a piece. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they've got a severe schedule in there, so that means you shorten it up to about half or what. Normally you do. In other words, 50,000 miles this and that. Hey, I throw that book away when it comes to that. Not my manual. That's a figure of speech. When you're trapping, you'd better take care of that thing. I'm a big believer in K&N air filters because the only way dirt can get in your motor is through the air breather. Okay, your air cleaner. And if you've ever been out west, I'll never forget the first time i ever seen this in Arizona. I was coming down off the side of a mountain and here come a vehicle on the desert floor out there how many mile, you know, five, six mm-hmm. mile away. He had a plume of dust behind him, a mile long at least. At least a mile hanging in the You're going down that same road and you're gonna meet him. You're gonna drive through it. Mm-hmm. You've got a factory air filter i'm sorry that's what wears motors and bearings and stuff out is dirt and a k and n will not allow that stuff through Mm -hmm. in fact is they even have a sealant grease you put on the edge of the filter to make sure it's sealed And I'd say if you're driving in those conditions, invest in that little $2 tube or whatever it costs. I use Vaseline, but it's Yeah, and your K&N's guaranteed for life. It's cheaper. It's a million-mile guarantee. You put that thing in your vehicle, both of mine's got it. Both of mine's got it right now, okay? I always run a K&N. And you can clean them. I clean mine. You buy a little kit and clean it. Just follow the instructions. That's just one of the things you can do. I believe in running synthetic oil uh, because it's tougher it's tougher than normal oil okay but it don't help to have extended drain intervals if you don't have a filter to match you get down here to Walmart and buy one of them cheap filters they've got and you can feel the difference between it and a 10,000 my filter in my truck right now says right on the filter 12,000 mile. It's a 12,000-mile filter. I run my truck 10,000 and change the oil. I -hmm. don't push it to the 12. I have. But you take, um, I let a service manager feel that once. They were changing the oil, and he said, my God, Blackie. He said, that thing's as heavy as one of ours when it's full of oil. I said, that's because it's got something in it. (laughs) You know? That's some gauze, you know. But Mm -hmm. no, it's a special, you know, filament. But... My, my old filter is the only filter I've ever seen. It says right on the box, 12,000 mile filter. And I run all this kind of stuff. And then you ain't got surprises. I, lube, I keep the uh, oil, all the fluid levels changed underneath, bumper to bumper, on a regular basis. You know, no 100,000 mile mm-hmm. cooking that stuff in the heat and towing and hauling. and You know, if you treat that thing right, it'll treat you. Now, a lot of people don't change the oil in their transmission and the filter. I have never yet seen, I'm sure it's happened, but I've never seen a guy that changed the oil in his transmission and filter have a transmission go out on him. I've never seen him have problems with it. But you ask a guy who replaced his transmission, did you ever change the oil and filter in that? And he goes, huh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Huh? Go to a transmission shop and talk to those people. I've done that. You know, I drove to the shop, I go in, I talk to the guy that owns it, and I ask him, look, I just bought this vehicle, I want to keep it forever, in a day. Here's what my plan is. And he'll listen to you and say, add something or say you're right
0: on the money or, you know. It's, it's in the military we had uh, it's PMCS, we had to do on every vehicle. All the time, and it was state, you know, sketched out, and I've kind of got it in the in the still habit of that. You know, you're checking your oil before, you know, before you do anything, and because I've been in some situations where, well, I'm not going to mention a friend of mine walked about 17 miles in the last couple of years down in Texas Mm. because of maintenance, Mm -hmm. just because of pure maintenance, and then that really, you know, and I see those ranch hands down there are diesels. And they suck so hard. These new diesels they got with these these you know one and two turbos and stuff. They don't change those old filters because it's the ranch's truck and they really don't care. They care when it builds up so much pressure, it sucks the air filter into the intake. Hmm. You know, and then now they ain't going anywhere and they're walking. Yeah, we, we better we better close up. But I really appreciate the time for you to do this. Like I said, this is. <laughs> I was I was trying to I tried to guilt you into it yesterday to get you to do this because i know you you get a little uh you love talking but you don't like talking on official stuff yeah you're right you're right
1: one-on-one